Welcome to the Brilliant Business Moms podcast, episode 129, with Sarah Kornack and Bethann Schwamberger. Today on the show, we're talking with Katie Allered. Katie kind of stumbled upon her business of making the most adorable baby hats you have ever seen. She has a great story to share with you. So let's get started. You're listening to the Brilliant Business Moms podcast, practical business advice for startup moms. Today on the podcast, we are pleased to welcome Katie Allerid. She's the owner of Blue Taylor brand. And Blue Taylor makes infant hats that are really trendy and innovative. They look like a turban, but you can wear them like a hat. Uh, every hat is handmade with care and detail. And Katie lives with her husband and her four children in Missouri. Welcome to the show, Katie. Hi, thank you. Katie, could you begin by telling us a little bit more about yourself, your family, and your business, Blue Taylor Brand? Okay. Well, my again, my name is Katie Allred, and my husband is Ben, and he is a purchasing manager for a Christian sports camp here in Branson, Missouri. And I have four children, a girl who's six, a boy who's five, another boy who's three, and our littlest is a girl, and she's 21 months old. And we're originally from Arkansas. And just moved to Branson, Missouri, oh my goodness, in October. So we haven't been here very long. Blue Taylor Brand is my company. And we are, we do make infant hats. That's what we started out as. And it was made for my daughter. We originally started out as infant sizes only. And now as of January this month, we are now making adult sizes. So we now we range from preemie all the way up to adult versions of our hats. Awesome. And so you started with making a turban for your daughter. Can you tell us a little bit more about that process, how you learned to make that turban, and then how you went from that to turning it into a whole business? It's actually a funny story. My daughter, of course, the fourth born, we got, brought her home from the hospital, and we had a lot of complications with my third born. And so... I was sitting on the couch with her and wanted to be especially aware of keeping her hat on and keeping her away from germs and stuff like that. And as I was holding her, like literally we came home from the hospital that day and we were sitting on the couch and the only thing she was wearing was her hospital hat, you know, the like one that's like cream and white and like the little knot on top. And we were sitting on the couch and she actually threw up, like into her hat, like that, oh, that gross newborn throw up, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so I was like, oh gosh, now it's ruined. It never goes white again after that. So I took it off and then I tried on a couple different hats that we had because we were having some friends come over to see her and I really wanted her head covered because you know, everybody goes for the head to touch the head. <laughs> and so I wanted to make sure it was covered and she was a little germ free. And so we went through the little hats that everybody had given us, and no offense, but <laughs> her head didn't fit in them, and so she kind of looked a little silly. They were loose, or they didn't come all the way down to her ears and stuff like that. So I decided I had some fabric left over from a blanket that I had made, and so grabbed that up, and my family kind of has a joke about me that I should write a book about my life about all the mistakes that I've made because I won't follow a pattern or I won't 
follow a recipe. And I always get myself into trouble for not like following directions. They said, you should write a book called My Life Without Directions. So, <laughs> so of course, I did not like open up Pinterest and look for anything. And I didn't grab a pattern or something like that. So I just grabbed the fabric. I was like, I can make it. Like, I can just do this. I was like, just whip something up. And so I just started playing with fabric. And actually, <laughs> when I made it, I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. And I made what was we call now our classic. But I wasn't sure if I liked the gather in the front. So I flipped it over backwards and had like the gather running in the back, like a back seam, so nobody would see it. And I was flipping it around. I was like, and I just kind of flipped it around. And it had the way that it pulled up in the front it actually stayed up out of her eyes. And as she was laying in my arms, she wasn't, the hat wasn't wiggling down in her eyes and it was keeping her little ears covered. So she was cozy and our friends came over. And the first thing that my friend said when she walked in the house, like she slapped her knees and she was like, oh my goodness, it's a little miniature baby turban. And she just was laughing and she's like, I love it so much. And so every time people would come over, they're like, oh, my goodness, what is that? That is the funniest, cutest little thing I've ever seen. It's like a little baby turban. And so, which is really funny that they would say, you know, baby turban, because the different places we go afterward, like for shows and different stuff like that, everybody picks a different term to use it for. It's like somebody may say, oh, look, it's a baby do-rack or, <laughs> oh, look, it's a, it's a baby babushka or something like that. It's. Everybody has their own version of what an infant hat, culturally an infant hat's name would be. And so it kind of just stuck, and we originally named our company Baby Turban because everybody would just call it, hey, look, it's a baby turban. That is kind of the how it all started, the very first one, I should say. <laughs> I love that you had so much immediate response from your family and friends that they loved the hat that you just whip together. I think it's so crazy you just whip that thing together so fast when you saw a need and you just made it happen really quickly. So then after you got all of this positive response, what made you decide to turn your idea into a business? What did you do next when you saw that you had something that, that people really liked? Okay. Well, we had a local shop in town and someone had made the suggestion to go ahead and see if that shop would carry it. And you know that everybody, like when you make something and your family loves it and your friends love it, you're like, that's great. You're so complimentary. Like, I love you guys. You're amazing. <laughs> but you're doubtful that anybody else beyond that, like that stranger purchase, they like genuinely love it and they do not know you from Adam. So I was like, okay. So we decided to at least try it. Because it's just a local shop, no harm. And so we started with that one. And I actually just walked in with my daughter in it. And so that was our biggest, I think our biggest start to it was they could actually see it on a baby. They loved it and made it their, our first order. And then from there, we said, okay, maybe we should claim our website. <laughs> That was my husband's thinking because he's more managerial. So he was like, oh, we should probably get a website. And so we were kind of green. So we we're like, we'll just buy one. I don't know anything about Etsy or any of those places. So maybe we should just build a website. So at least it's there. So we went ahead and 
got our website. And then a lot of it was word of mouth from there. We had a, a boutique, oh, 70 miles away in northwest Arkansas area that picked us up from there. And then talked to her friends that owned boutiques and said, here's something that's not at market right now, but it's unique and you've got to get your hands on it first. And so they were sweet enough to kind of spread that word from there too. Oh, that's so neat. So that was going to be one of my questions was, you know, how did you, <laughs> how did you get into all of the different boutiques that you're in? That is really neat that even across, you know, some state lines, uh, one friend was telling her other boutique owner friends. I guess I, I kind of forget that if you own a boutique, chances are you're networking with other boutique owners. Is there anything else that you did to get into more stores or was it, are, are most of the stores that you're in just really, they happened organically? Well, most of my would say they did. We did in October of 2014, we did a Holiday House. Are you guys familiar with the Holiday House, like a Junior League? Oh, okay. I know about the Junior League. I know that it's a Southern <laughs> thing, but it you'll is. have to explain the Holiday House. Okay. So they get together, Junior League, and they part of their fundraising thing is that they'll set up booths, and it's a holiday show. So they can have hundreds of booths there, and you can set up a booth. You have to pay for the booth. But then every a lot of people go there for their holiday shopping. And so we did one in the Little Rock area, which is the capital of Arkansas, <laughs> and found that within that region, a lot of the boutiques, so customers came to shop at the holiday house and would buy a hat from us. But then they would go back to their preferred store and do other, the regular clothing shopping for their children. And so when they would walk into the store wearing our hats, the boutique owners would go, where did you get that hat? And so the customer would spread the word to the wholesale people. That's amazing to have customers spreading the word to wholesalers and boutique owners about your products. They just must look amazing in person. I know the pictures that you have online, they are just adorable. And so I don't think I've ever heard of anybody spreading their business through customers getting them in other wholesale and boutique locations. That yeah. that seems amazing. Which is so weird because that's all that we've known. So when people pointed out that that's not how it usually works, like, oh, okay. I had no idea. <laughs> We're just going with it, I guess. Yeah. Right. Well, it speaks to your great product, I think. Thank you. So, yeah, that's wonderful. So now, so you're in a lot of boutiques. I, I saw on your website, it's it's quite a few boutiques that you're in, yeah. but you also have the website that you built. Where do most of your sales come from? Are they mostly from the boutique and wholesale end, or do you get a lot of retail business on your website? We right now are in 23 plus boutiques. And so when they order, it varies. Like we know some of our bigger boutiques, it's pretty regular and we can prepare for those in advance. But I would say as a whole, our retail is our strongest. Wow. That's amazing. I wasn't, I honestly was not expecting that answer. I was totally expecting you to say the wholesale boutique end of your business is stronger. So that's, that's amazing that your retail is so you're talking about your online, yes. you selling retail. Yes. Yeah, bluetailor.com okay. would be 
So how do you drive that online traffic then to get people to shop on, on your own website? Well, okay. We actually don't do a whole lot. We do Instagram is our biggest push. We do, like when we make an Instagram post, we basically just put the share button on for Facebook and shoot all of our Instagram stuff straight to Facebook and straight to Twitter. And then if people make a comment on Facebook and Twitter, we'll respond to it. We try to stay, you know, a pretty quick response. But Instagram is where we push most of our information through. And so, you know, when, when I see an area that we haven't sold to before, say Oregon, and an order comes through for Oregon, it may be a couple of weeks and I'll see a few more orders come in from Oregon. So I think it's when it is really word of mouth for moms and for women to see something that they haven't seen before. So, yeah, I just I think it's that because right now it is such a unique version of a hat that it's allowing people to see it on somebody that they know. And then they come back and go ahead and purchase it, especially if they don't have a wholesale account in that area. I think that is so interesting, Katie, that once someone orders from a particular state or part of the country, then a few weeks later you see more orders yes. come in. That, that is really interesting. And, you know, I know we've mentioned this before, but wow, this is, I, I think that your business is just such a testament to creating something unique and something that stands out because as you've said it it markets itself in some ways because obviously when someone sees a little baby wearing their <laughs> turban it, it right. stands out it makes an impression right yeah we've got my husband used to say when we had charlotte is my youngest when we would have her in her turban or, or hat whatever we, we're going to call it when she would be walking down the street, say, we're going to go shopping or something like that. I'd have her on my shoulder and we would walk and literally we would have people just stop and stare. And Ben's like, you like you walk in a wake of awe. <laughs> <laughs> and we would go to Walmart and just be pushing the cart. Ben's like, you're going to need to take that hat off of her so we can get out of the store without more people talking to us. <laughs> I'm like, I love it. I want to talk to everybody. <laughs> That's too funny. So, Katie, I know you mentioned that Instagram is a main traffic driver for your own right. online store. I'd love to hear maybe some of your best tips or, you know, strategies for driving those sales through Instagram. Okay. My biggest thing that my biggest strategy, I think, for Instagram is just being consistent. We try to make at least three posts a day. And keeping that, I've heard the first, what, six or nine posts make it about what your company's about. So our company, you know, drives a lot of that infant sales. And then we want to make sure that we inform people about our premium program. And then maybe it's a giveaway or just some information. And then another cute face maybe in an older child. So like if you're going to scroll on to our Instagram, I want you to see everything that we do in our first six to nine so you can get a good feel of our company because I'm not going to just most people are not going to just keep thumbing through your business Instagram and then posting again posting babies is 
posting children, posting babies. Everybody wants to see their baby on Instagram. Everybody wants to see a cute baby on Instagram. And then I would say creating some time to plan out. And, you know, that gets difficult when you have a family. But, you know, maybe that's in the evening, an hour. I know at the beginning of our business, we would go through in the evenings, say take an hour in the evening and go through Instagram, like the explore button even, and go through and just start liking and complimenting women that had a little girl, a little baby girl. And we would see some follows from that or gifting people say they had a a sweet little girl or that they had a preemie in the NICU and just saying, reaching out saying, hey, okay, would you like one of these? We would love to send you one of these. Um, and that always gets a good response. Everybody loves a little something. <laughs> so that and then, again, just staying consistent with getting stuff out there and not being afraid to reuse posts too. Oh, yes. Yeah, those great tips. Those were great tips. I think uh, I've definitely noticed that, you know, the businesses that are posting multiple times a day on Instagram, like you are, you know, it really helps explode that growth. And of course, like you said, having adorable photos of babies and kids, that's, that helps a ton too. Yeah. So Katie, with the reusing photos and posts, what's kind of your cycle for that? I mean, do you wait a month, three months? How long would you wait before you'd reuse a photo? I would say, okay, so I'm not, I wouldn't say that I go have a strict system. It's as simple as like I'm thumbing through the photos on my, on my camera roll and saying, this is so cute and I haven't used it in a while. And it got, you know, this many likes. I bet our new followers that just signed on in the last whatever months would love to see it too. So going back into your feed and just looking for those really popular posts and putting those back out again. And people still love it because the likelihood of someone that saw that at seven o'clock, four months ago, two months ago, may not be the same person that's going to see it at nine o'clock or eight o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, you know, two months from now. So I just look for ones that have done well. And are clear and clean. And don't be afraid to delete ones that are not. <laughs> Occasionally we'll have one like, where is everybody today on Instagram? They're just, the response is so low that we just, okay, that didn't happen. That most never happened, you know. Just take it away. And that's all right. I mean, we don't have to, things on Instagram don't have to be permanent. So we've done that too. And I wanted to point out something uh, here, Katie, that I think is also a great strategy that you're using. I noticed on your feed, a lot of times in your photo description, you'll say at the bottom, available at www.bluetailor.com. And you have the blue tailor, that part's like in all caps, so it really stands out. And even though that link is not clickable, it's like they have to go to the link in the bio to click, but I think that is... I really like that strategy because people remember then they're seeing that website right there on the photo and they're saying, okay, Blue Taylor, that's who makes these adorable turbans, Blue Taylor. And wherever they happen to be later when they remember, oh yeah, I want to go check out those turbans or, oh, I really want to get one. 
it's like, I, I think it really can stick in someone's mind that way. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's what I was going for. Definitely, even though it's not clickable, I want you to scroll to the end of it. If you're going to make your comment or just read the rest of it and know that's where it is. You know, it's not just available anywhere there. <laughs> yeah. Go there if you're going to go somewhere. And we've seen that, you know, on our statistics and all of the metrics and everything where people actually type in our web address, mm-hmm. maybe on, into their Explorer on their phone. So it's not all just links. They're not just going into the bio link. So I think that's helpful. It's just always kind of putting your website in front of their face. Yeah. <laughs> Put it in front of their face. That's right. So, Katie, I wanted to circle back really quickly when we were talking about retail and wholesale, wholesale with the boutiques, and you said that retail is performing better for you than the wholesale boutiques, even though those are also doing well. And I have to say that most business owners cannot successfully pull off both. It seems like a lot of business owners have to either focus on retail or they have to focus on wholesale, but you are doing both. So I was just wondering if you had any tips for how that's possible or ways that you're making that profitable on both ends for you. Okay. Well, I think at the beginning, we definitely knew, again, we were walking into wholesale first, essentially. And I think, too, with women that are selling themselves, and they've never been in that market before, definitely speaking to myself, we don't give ourselves credit for what our work and what our time is worth. And so maybe, like, when we start selling it, we're undercutting ourselves a little bit. So, like, I don't feel like someone will pay that much for something that I can do. And so... Again, having people come alongside you and say, you know, this is, you are worth more than that. <laughs> your time away from your kids is worth more than that. So we had, we set ourselves up going into retail saying, okay, I'm okay with this much. And then we set our retail price off of our wholesale. So we made sure that we get what we need and be okay with our wholesale and then again bump that up to kind of giving them a healthy margin between our wholesale and our retail if that makes sense and so preparing ourselves rather than saying well I could sell it for this much because I don't think that anybody would buy it beyond that and just pushing you know getting Honestly, asking people in the margins that you want to sell to. So not somebody that is sitting beside you like, I can make that too, because they'll probably (laughs) make it too. But asking somebody that doesn't, doesn't want to make it, doesn't know how to make it, doesn't have the time to make it. And they say, I will pay that much for that because I want it and I don't have the time to make that. And I want something unique. And so asking somebody and asking the person that you want to sell to, you know, would you buy it for this? What's that cost look like to you? What does that cost say to you? Because you could make it cheaper, but then that puts you in a bracket that maybe you don't want to be in. So we definitely set ourselves up to give ourselves enough margin 
so that we could play with retail and we could be very comfortable and we could have a healthy margin, healthy, healthy profit. profit. That makes sense. So, yeah, so maybe for you it worked out really well that you initially were selling in boutiques because mm-hmm. you knew right away you had to have enough of a profit margin from the boutique owners to make it worth your while. Exactly. So then when you went to sell it on your own website, you already had that healthy profit margin there. You weren't trying to mess around with pricing because I think right. most people start opposite. They start selling retail. And then, oh, whoops, I'd like to sell wholesale, but now I've got these prices that are really too low right. to work with on a wholesale level. So it seems like starting opposite for you has really paid off. Right. And when, and when we started, we had our wholesale pretty low, to be honest. And as business, business expenses and just those little details when you start perfecting your product and you start hiring out, starts to grow, then the cost of product starts to grow. And so we went ahead and how do you take a wholesale account and let them know that their prices are going to increase? <laughs> that was a that was an interesting time of saying, okay, you know, we started out with this boutique at this price, but this next boutique that's coming in, I need them to pay this. And so with every season and with every line, we let boutiques know we would incrementally bring in those little price changes as they were selling. And so, you know, you sell two seasons where you're selling out of our product. You're okay with spending a little bit more because on the other end, we're not asking them to up their prices and then we're not changing our online prices. Do you know what I mean? So say we're not asking them for our small hats that aren't limited. We, they're 25 on our website. So we're not going to increase their wholesale cost, but keep ours at 20 and expect them to have a retail cost of 25. Like if we are going to move up their wholesale costs incrementally, we're going to start increasing our prices online incrementally. Incrementally. That's how you say it, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tongue twister. So I think it all goes back to, again, there's no other person in your business that's going to be buying the scale that they buy. So treating them with respect and giving them honor and saying, we're not going to undercut you. We're not going to ask you to sell for 25 and then we're going to sell ours cheaper so that people find us online while they're shopping and going, oh, I can get it cheaper here and steal their sales, basically. So giving them respect and giving them honor and saying, okay, we if we're asking you to do this, we're going to increase our price. So we're not in competition together. Makes sense. Yeah, I like your answer. Yeah, you definitely have to keep the, you don't want to be angering the boutiques with you offering lower prices on your website. So I think that makes sense. You're, as you grow and change, you're incrementally increasing everybody's prices. So and I like that strategy. And I fought against that because my natural self is like, oh, don't, no, don't ask them to pay more. Don't ask them to pay more. Yeah. And get to a point where you're like, okay, wait, you know, it has to happen. It has to happen. So not being afraid to change your prices if you need to. Did any boutique decide, okay, well, we're just not going to carry you anymore? Only one. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Which I feared that everybody would. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That in inside voice was like, okay, no, they're, they're all going to bail ship. 
that business is going to be over. <laughs> but of course, nobody did it because, you know, we're all kind of moving that price together. So. And two, Katie, if you hadn't increased your price, you may have found that in another year or two, you were so burnt out and, you know, weren't making enough of a profit for you to really feel like the business was worth continuing. So, exactly. yeah, exactly. And I, I always go back to you because I have the kids home with me and I homeschool my oldest two. And so I always try to look at how, what do I want to take time away from? If I'm going to step in to my office and do business, it's got to be worth the time that I'm taking away from my people, my little people. <laughs> so I don't want to be working so fast and furious just to make a small profit. It's not worth that. No. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to ask you really quickly, too. I know you recently rebranded. So now you're Blue Taylor brand, but you started off, like you mentioned before, that you were Baby Turban was the name of your company. Could you talk about your decision to rebrand and all that was involved with that and maybe how it went after you rebranded? Okay. Again, we started in the summer of 2014. We were Baby Turban, and it just was kind of like, I always say we were like, ready, shoot, and then aim. <laughs> so like just get out of the gate and we're baby turban because that's what everybody called it and it's easy to remember. And But then everybody started asking for bigger sizes and my daughter at the time was five. My oldest daughter was five and I wanted her to wear one and she emphatically told me, no, I am not a baby. I won't wear a baby <laughs> turban. <laughs> ah. Yes. And we had a few moms say, I love them, but their children were old enough to read and maybe they'd see the baby turban tag and they're not a baby. And then we would have kids brand reps at that time. And so it was always an awkward thing to write out our baby turban kids line. So we decided it was time to change. If we were going to expand, we needed to change and not have baby in the <laughs> phrase anymore. So, yeah, that's how we started, we decided to change the name, and that happened in August. And so right now we are weeks away from getting our official trademark on the term, on the phrase, and then, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Have you noticed any decrease in traffic maybe after you changed the brand name or anything like that, or has it all just been, you know, continual growth since then? No, it actually, I again, it took it took us a while to change it over. We had plans to change it over. We, well, we had decided, I say we, like me and a mouse in my pocket. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I decided and then my husband agreed. But I decided on the name back probably in April. And so just kind of laying in wait a bit until the appropriate time to switch it over, everything over to shop Blue Taylor, and to the name, actual Blue Taylor. But we kept everything. We bought up a few websites, not websites, but domain names that were around our name, around, because our original website was thebabyturban.com. And so we kept that. And then we kept all of our Blue Taylor websites. And then we just made everything link. 
So if somebody was wanting to go buy a baby turban again, and so they typed in thebabyturban.com or used any of the old links, it immediately shot them to bluetailor.com. So then they would notice that the name change had happened. And then we also include in all of our packaging about our name change. And we've done that since August, and we still put those in there about our name change. And I think we'll probably still continue that for another few months to kind of have everything worked out in the system. But we even had some very, very dedicated mamas (laughs) that would message us and say, there is a new shop called Blue Taylor, and they have stolen your designs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. <laughs> that's us. That's us. <laughs> Thank you so much. So they're very sweet. That's a dedicated fan base there. That's great? wonderful. Yes, that is wonderful. So, Katie, I know you have a heart for preemies, and you have a preemie program that you started with Blue Taylor. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. my When my third born, when I was pregnant with him, We were three to four months along and went into the hospital for a miscarriage. And when we were in there, we found out he was okay. And that was just this huge relief. We had actually not had an ultrasound yet. We didn't realize that we were pregnant (laughs) until quite a ways into being pregnant. So we hadn't had an ultrasound done or anything like that. And... We came home. They said we'd monitor, they'd monitor me. And we went, came back, and they found out that he was a twin. And I had miscarried, but I had miscarried his twin, his fraternal twin. And so that kind of put me on bed rest for a while until we were sure that, that he was going to be okay and that he would, the pregnancy would be more of a stable pregnancy. And so I um, had a couple of different scares leading up to his birth and then he was born just fine but then a couple weeks later we had to rush into the emergency room with an extremely high temperature and he we had to do all of the scans and the just some pretty extreme stuff and the ER and trying to figure out what was happening and then he was put into the NICU because he was so small and put him in there monitoring him and he was again his temperature was so high that we couldn't have anybody come in and visit and so it was him and me there (laughs) and thankfully I could hold him and so they just monitor him in my arms and I was there and it sounds like a small amount of time and every pre-mommy I talked to they're like no amount of time is small (laughs) in the NICU it's too small but I was in there for four days with him and didn't sleep the entire time just emotional roller coaster trying to figure out what was wrong every we had so many people praying for him and they walked in one day and he was they he was fine he was better no explanation which we know the explanation to that yeah but he got to go home and I remember thinking I cannot imagine just the other moms that were still there and how long they had been there and how long they were going to stay there and I would just when I thought back to that time, I would just cry. I was like, that is just, it breaks my heart. And so, again, that goes back to my fourth born. <laughs> when she was, that's why I was a little bit like, she needs a hat on. We're going to keep her germ free. <laughs> yeah. A bit of a germaphobe with her. And then when we made the hats and we started selling to the first boutique, I told my husband, I said, 
you know, I love how well it fits her head being so small and that it's not just a typical hospital hat that everybody has to wear in the hospital. I said, I wonder if I can make it small enough for some of those little babies for a preemie. And then that challenged me. I wonder if I can make it small enough for a micro preemie. And I don't know if you're familiar just with micro preemies. There's a certain weight that they have to be at before they can even wear a hat. Anything under that, they're just, they're so sensitive to touch and to, it just hurts them so much. And so we said, one if, what if instead of when they get to that size, because when you have a preemie, sometimes it's just unexpected. Most of the time it's unexpected and you're not prepared. Nobody makes you know, it's just the basics. You don't have any fluff and extra stuff for a micro preemie or a preemie. And so I said, what if we took our hat and we shrunk it down and made a miniature version so that any mama that wants one, they don't have to prepare for anything else? Because, again, that small, they maybe can wear socks and a hat and that's it because of all the hookups that they have. Mm-hmm. It sounds so technical, <laughs> hookups. So we tested it out. We found some moms on Instagram and just messaged them and said, here's what we have. Can we send you one? Can Would you like one? And immediately they're like, of course, please. We love it. And we found that that was something very, that they took very seriously and very just it touched them so much and they would send us pictures and they would send us just the most beautifully written letters about how it blessed them to have something specially made for them that nobody else had and the nurses that they get compliments on the nurses coming back and just oon and on over their babies and that's something that you want it's something that you want people to love your baby as much as you do or to think your baby is as wonderful and as cute as you do. And so it just kind of gave them, I feel like, a moment for that baby to not just be a preemie, for this baby not to be just a struggling baby, but to put the hat on and experience what we all do when we get our baby dressed up for the first time or that we get our baby all fixed up. And that's what the fun of having a little girl is, just getting her all cutesied up. And so just having that moment to think, okay, there's hope. This baby is going to be out of the NICU and we're going to be able to do all these fun things. But for now, this is, you know, it's not just a white hat or a white hat with flowers. It's it's a teal hat. It's a lilac hat. It's a leopard ruffly hat. So just getting them that. And so that's part of what our name stands for. The blue in it stands for hope. I feel like that's the color of hope. And then Taylor stands for tailor-made. So when we talk about we are blue tailor, we're tailor-made hope. So when you buy a regular one, we get to donate a miniature version, and we send it nicely wrapped. with a. I make all of those myself. I custom make those. And then I put in a handwritten letter of what I want to speak into that mom, where I feel like from what she put in the information in our form, what she says about her daughter, I just want to pour into her what 
reaffirm what she says about her daughter, that she's strong, that she's a fighter, that she's beautiful and that that the mama is a good mama, that that mama is a fighter, that that mama is important and what she's doing is important and that her family is strong. And so we get to send those and those hats are free and the shipping is free. I don't want them to incur any cost at all on our watch. And I get grandmas that say, oh, my, you know, our little fighter looks adorable in the pink. Can we have a leopard or can we have another one? And maybe they got one as a preemie, a micro preemie, and they're now four pounds. And so we'll say, yeah, bring it on. We'll send another one. We'll get <laughs> we'll get her all wrapped up again. And so we've enjoyed that. One of our we have donated quite a few to one hospital where we donated to the moms, but a lot of those moms got together and sent a form in. And so we sent it to those moms. And one of the nurses contacted us and said, wow, it looks like a, a little runway in here. <laughs> Bunch of little Vogue babies. <laughs> that program sounds absolutely wonderful, Katie. I'm glad you can help those women in that way. It sounds so special. And we have so enjoyed getting to know you and hearing about your business today on the podcast. As we wrap up, we always like to close with maybe a funny or adorable mom moment that you have had recently with your kids. Okay. We actually, our family talked about this last night, and the kids threw out a lot of ideas. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but one of them was Charlotte, which is our youngest. She's, again, she's been wearing one since day one. And anywhere we would go, people would compliment us on our hat or say something about our hat. And then as we would go to show, she'd have to come with us because, you know, I'd still be nursing her. And so she actually learned to wave at one <laughs> at one of our shows because everybody's waving at her. <sighs> we just realized that anytime someone's talking to her, she's 21 months now. And anytime someone talks to her, like, oh, you're so sweet. And she doesn't wear a hat all the time anymore. But anytime someone's like, oh, hi, sweet, she'll point to her head. And then I'm like, oh, baby, no, it's you. Like, it's you. They're not talking about your hat. She'll, like, she'll touch her head even if there's not one on. Or when there is one on, she'll, like, touch the ruffle or she'll touch the bow. It's like she's, like, modeling it for them. Oh, my gosh, that's embarrassing. No, it's you, baby. You're the cute one. <laughs> That's really cute. <laughs> Funny. Yes. Well, Katie, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It's been just a lot of fun learning more about your unique business and just the ways that you're growing it and the ways that you're serving others through your business, too. Um, if you could tell our audience one more time where they can find you online, that'd be great. Great. Thank you. It's been amazing chatting with you ladies, too. I appreciate it a lot. And you can find us at our website at Blue Taylor, that's blue with no E, Taylor as in Taylor Swift, <laughs> dot com. And then you can find us on Instagram at Shop Blue Taylor or Facebook or Twitter is also at Shop Blue Taylor. Thanks again, Katie. This was really so much fun. Thank you. Bye-bye. For the show notes, head to BrilliantBusinessMoms.com forward slash BBM 129. I hope that 2016 is off to a great start for you.
I think I've come to realize through the years that in order to accomplish what I want to or fit into my day, what I need to fit in or want to fit in, I kind of need to have a system in place. A system for lots of different things that are going on in my life. The kids, the family, the dinner, the house, and the business. If you haven't quite landed on the ideal system for you yet, you might want to check out the Brilliant Business Planner. I know it's our planner that we have created, and so I have to love it. But honestly, I do use my planner every single day to help me keep track of everything that is going on in my life, whether that's my personal life or my business. I refer to it constantly throughout the day. It helps keep me organized. It helps keep me on track. It's a system that works very well for me so that I know exactly what is going on, exactly what I need to do, and how I'm going to accomplish those really big things that I set out to accomplish each year. It's not too late to experiment and find the system that is right for you. And that may not be the brilliant business planner. Everybody works differently. Everybody has their own way of thinking, of planning, of strategizing. But it may be the brilliant business planner that might be that perfect fit for you to track your personal life and your business and to set big goals for yourself and for your business and achieve them. Just check it out. See what you think. You can find the Brilliant Business Planner at brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash shop. We're only a few weeks into the new year, so if you started out using a system that's not working for you, don't be afraid to change it up. Your time is too precious. I hope you're having a great week. Now it's your turn to head out there and be brilliant.